Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Christian Conway, and I'm joined by one of the finest alumni of this amazing podcast, the one, the only, Slice, Jamie Bacon. What's up, guys? It's been a while. I think a little over a year now, huh? I know. We missed you. Welcome back. Uh, unfortunately, Michelle's uh, a little under the weather, so we decided to, uh, you know, take over for, for, for a day. It's, it's weird being in this chair, and it's amazing to have you back. I'm really happy to be here. I've, you know, I've been missing you guys a lot. Uh, it's just been hard with scheduling and everything, you know, but here we are. Let's have some fun. <laughs> All right. So let's begin. Of course, the U.S. Women's National Team uh, scheduled two friendlies in this window last night going out and beating Paraguay 9-0. Carly Lloyd with five goals. Andy Sullivan contributed two. Uh, Lynn Williams and Tobin Heath, the other goal scorers. Mallory Pugh with three assists. Uh, the, the Carly Lloyd retirement tour has begun in, in, in quite fine fashion. Um, I know there's a lot we can talk about in terms of, uh, you know, who does it serve to to have these kind of games? But you know, I think it was a, it was an interesting performance, um, but but not a lot to to learn from. Um, but I think you know, if Carly Lloyd's going to go out, how about going out in style like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a little reminiscent of a lot of the other uh, farewell tours we've had. Um, you know, when we had Abby's, you know, we we actually picked a tougher opponent with playing China and. They tried to force the ball to her so many times and ended up not even winning that game. So, you know, I mean, it's it's scheduled on purpose this way to come out and give the fans what they want, which is Carly scoring goals. And when you get four in the first half, that's that's kind of the way that's kind of the way you want to say goodbye to the people who have been there for you for so long. Yeah, and I think um, you you make a very good point about kind of scheduling an opponent. And I know uh, Paraguay's head coach came out and said, you know, like, look, we were kind of in a rock and a hard place because we just haven't been able to play games. You know, they only had three games in 2020, you know, two games this year. So I, I, I sympathize with that team. You know, if, you, if you're given this deal to play the United States in the United States, but it's guaranteed games, even though you kind of know walking in what's going to happen, I, I sympathize with the Paraguayan uh, perspective. And I, I agree with you that, you know, at this point in time, you know, on a, on a retirement tour, you're not there to really do anything structurally important. You're there to, you know, give the fans, you know, one last happy memory. Um, I think it was, it was, you know, obviously Carly was, was, was fantastic. And as you mentioned, um, they were definitely feeding the ball to her, understandably so. But, you know, I want to give credit to Andy Sullivan. I mean, that's a, a face we haven't seen around the national team in a while, you know, dealing with, uh, with her injuries and, 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 and seeing her back and seeing her that confident, I think was a, was a really, um, really just good thing to see. I think it, 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 this, like, this was the first real look we've had at the U.S. Women's National Team since the Olympics. And it kind of just, I think this was, this evening was just to be supposed to be a feel good night, right? Like everything was just supposed to feel good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was, you know, it was meant to be the most fun for the, for the people in the stands. And, you know, I, I, I bet they're a little frustrated. They didn't score 10 goals and, you know, have that perfect 10 for the number 10. But um, there's another game on Tuesday and I'm sure they're going to come out firing just the same. And, you know, hopefully we'll get to see a little mix up in the starting lineup, um, maybe see like uh, Smith or, or um, you know, some other of the young ones get some starting time up there because otherwise, you know, when we're playing major games again, those kids those kids are going to be on the bench, but it'll be nice to see them have some starting time. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I'd love to see a little bit of Sophia Smith and Katarina Macario. I think uh, especially Macario considering her club situation and how good she's been in France and, and you know, kind of I think she's going to be the next big star of this team. I, you know, and in her cameo against against Paraguay um, last night, I, I thought she she impressed for, you know, kind of the occasion, the situation. So, um, as you said, we will play again on Tuesday against Paraguay. Um, 
you know, hopefully a little bit more of a, a Cerner test from the uh, Paraguayan side that just looked a little bit like a deer in headlights. But, you know, I, I can I can, I can sympathize and empathize with those players in terms of what they've had to go through. And, and it kind of opens up a larger conversation about, you know, how do we prevent these kind of national teams from, you know, needing to come to the United States and get pasted 9-0 in order to get in games? And, and you know, what solution that takes, be it, you know, FIFA stepping in and requiring a minimum amount of investment in, in women's teams or, you know, CONMEBOL or, or other, you know, confederations doing that. I think it's, you know, there, there's no perfect answer and, and people that are paid a lot more than I am, you know, to talk about the game definitely probably are the people that should be leading those conversations. But I do think um, it doesn't really serve anyone to, to watch the, both, both the U.S. women's national team and the Paraguayan women's national team. It doesn't serve any of either of those teams to, to have a 9-0 pasting. Um, but as you said, they will play on Tuesday and, and hopefully we'll, we'll get a little bit more of a sense of, of the younger players and, and where we stand um, after the Olympics. Uh, so let's... Yeah, and, oh, uh, well, okay. just one last thing. I mean, like, all credit to them. You know, they they were getting the crap kicked out of them, but, you know, they, they played 90 minutes. They fought for 90 minutes. Um, you know, there were times where their defense actually stepped up and made some good stops. And, you know, you're right. Like, it is difficult. They don't have a lot of games under their belt in the last couple of years, but we're also, you know, still very much in the midst of the pandemic and it's it's not as easy for teams from certain parts of the world to to travel and to schedule games um you know due to quarantine rules and and uh closed borders in certain places and whatnot so hopefully um as we continue to move through this you'll see more teams like that being able to play not just in the u.s but you know around europe and just get that experience under their belts and progress the women's game as a whole. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, before we started recording, I was watching a, a little bit of uh, Brazil-Argentina uh, on the women's side. It was a, actually a pretty fascinating match. Um, but speaking about less fascinating matches, uh, the Galaxy with a pair of 1-1 draws over the past couple of days. Um, of course, Saturday, they went out in Colorado and managed a 1-1 draw. Michael Berrios scoring for the Rapids, Grancier uh, equalizing for the Galaxy. And then in the game on Wednesday night uh, against Houston at home, uh, Fafa Pico opened the scoring with Chicharito scoring in the 61st minute, 61st minute to equalize. Um, I, I, I think, you know, looking at these two draws, one of them's a good draw and one of them isn't a good draw, if that makes sense. I think going out on the road in Colorado, you know, a tough place to play, just, you know, weather-wise and, and altitude-wise. I was at the game in Colorado. It was hotter than heck. Um, we also thought we were going to get thundered on it. It looked like it, and, and it did rain later in the day. Um, we obviously have the altitude. Uh, the Colorado Rapids played this really cheesy video that's like, here are the symptoms of altitude sickness. And like, this is why our home stadium's hard. And it's horribly cheesy. Um, they played it like three times, I think, too, which I was like, okay, we get it. <laughs> um, but I, I think, you know, going out the road against a team that is, I'd say, a more complete team than the Galaxy and getting a point at their home stadium is a very impressive result. However, that's followed by a 1-1 draw against a Houston team that has, you know, really failed to deliver this year and, and, and looking at what the galaxy did that night and how, you know, incisive or how incisive they, they could be at times. I think that's a disappointing result. Hey, the game may have been a draw, but we won on the stat sheet and there's a certain fan base that'll tell you that it's more important. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. So, so we'll quickly kind of, I know because we have a lot of ground to cover, I think our conversation about these two games is going to kind of, intermingle as we prepare for, for Minnesota this weekend. Um, but I, I think, you know, the, first off, let, let's let's talk about Chicharito coming back. I mean, what a, you know, two games, obviously in the game against Colorado, he didn't look sharp. For me, it's always been Chicharito needs a couple of goals to get going. 
he kind of needs to see the ball go in the back of the net. Um, he had a very clear chance in the first half against Colorado that I think a sharper Chicharito finishes. But, you know, his movement in the game against Houston, of course, scoring the goal, uh, assisted by Yovelovich, um, it, 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 it improves the Galaxy so much seeing him on the field. Yeah, I definitely, um, you know, that's something that I, I marked down after uh, re-watching this last game is just the difference with Cheech on the field and the confidence that the guys seem to have around him. Um, you know, his role is just so much more important than it was last year where, you know, he was having his own mental struggles and, and health struggles and just wasn't putting a product out on the field. And now that we've seen what he can do in those, uh, you know, first handful of games before his, his calf injury, it's it's clear to say that it is impossible for this team to continue winning without Chicharito's presence on that on that pitch for sure. I think you know I I think he delivers a certain level of gravity towards opposing defenses that you know he, you look at the runs that he makes you know I've, I've long said this about Chicharito his skill is not he's going to be a guy that's going to get you know twenty thirty looks in a game he only needs to finish one or two of them and I think you know especially in the game against Houston. Um, I'll give him a pass in the game against uh, Colorado just simply because, you know, coming back from injury, you know, you, that first game is always mentally a little weird because you're like, well, what, ha- what what if it goes again? Kind of, I, I, I understand that. Uh, but the runs he was making against that Houston defense, they didn't really have an answer for him. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, seeing the way he worked with Yubelovich, I think that this forward line can only get better. Um, and I, I, I agree with you that, you know, it's really hard for the Galaxy to score goals without Chicharito and, and, and getting on the end of those chances. Um, I think he's going to need a couple more games just to get firing, but, you know, he already had 10 goals right before the calf injury. That's hard to replace, um, and I think we saw the Galaxy struggle with it um, in this run. And this is the, the longest time, uh, the longest winless skid uh, in this season for the Galaxy, five games. Um, and I definitely think Chicharito is going to be critical in terms of helping, uh, helping to break that. I, I wanted to get your opinion on... Um, on, on Hamalainen as well, I, I th- I've been I've been very impressed with kind of his, the early returns, especially his um, his attacking nous and, and and how good he is getting forward. Um, I think defensively maybe he's a little liable, but I th- I think he's really added a dimension to this Galaxy attack that they were desperate for. Yeah, I really like him going forward. Um, my uh, yes, defensively that's that's kind of the thing. I feel like his tracking back sometimes isn't quick enough um, when he gets caught high, but. He definitely brings a, a different kind of um, offensive defender that we kind of needed on that side because we have the balance of it with with um, Julian over on the other side, you know. And so it brings that kind of balance where you can have both guys attacking high, but you need to make sure that if he's going to get caught, that your center backs are there. Because um, the last thing in the world you want to see is like Jonathan Dos Santos being in the one back in the box because all the defenders got burned, you know. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, he did not play in Colorado. And that was Viafania, and I thought Viafania was very good in Colorado. But, you know, I, I think maybe we saw a hint of that with, with the, the center back setup in Colorado, you know, with, with Williams, Koulibaly, and Steras all playing together. And Steras, by the way, was incredible against Colorado. I mean, I think they tasked one of the center backs with tracking Michael Berrios at all times, and, like, the one time it didn't work, he scored. Um, but that's what good strikers do, right? When they get one opportunity, they score it. I think we could maybe see more of that kind of, Five three two movement now with Yovelovich and Chicharito healthy and you know Steris healthy and I, I thought Steris was, was 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 relatively good against against Houston. Um, it, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how how they uh, they account for the fact that our outside backs are very aggressive, as you said, you know, and and, and the way that the Galaxy get into the attack and, and pressure on those wings, you know, it's required of Araujo and Hamalani to do that running. I think it's going to be really interesting to see 
moving forward if they can rely on the two center back setup and have either uh, Revolution or, or Jonathan drop back in order to cover that space or if Vaney's going to go for, for three in the back moving forward. Um, you know, I, I, think I think it's, I think, I think honestly that's, uh, that's a very game by game to, um, you know, kind of set up because depending on your opponent, I mean, it's, it's like USA versus Mexico back in the day when um, you don't want to play a three back against them. You want to play at least a four, if not a five, because they have speedy attackers that are going to burn you every time. Yeah. You know, so I think if you, depending on who you're playing, who the forwards are, that's kind of how you want to set up your back line. Um, you know, even making decisions on whether or not Stairs plays over Williams and whatnot. Uh, and you're right, I thought Stairs was incredible in Colorado. I thought he was serviceable in this game. Um, he had a couple that were questionable. Uh, he definitely held uh, Pico on, on side for that goal, which was unfortunate. But, you know, overall, I thought our defense played a pretty decent game. Yeah, Could have been better, but pretty decent. And I also think, you know, th- this this Houston game on, on, on Wednesday is a little bit more palatable if it's at a different time in the season. You know, like, it's one of those... Those midweek MLS games were just kind of, eh, you know, it happens. And it's, it's, it's that time of the season, too, where everything's compacted, right? You're playing three games in, what, like nine days or ten days, something like that. You have a handful of guys coming back from international duty. I mean, Legette played all three games with the U.S. Jonah played, um, you know, we had two missing in Colorado due to COVID protocols. So it's just that time of year where... The fact that we finally have a little bit of depth on our bench is really, really, really important. Yeah. If I, this was last season, we'd be DOA. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you made a good point a little earlier about uh, you know Vanny's ability to tactically flip game by game, and, and that does that does partially tap into that that depth. I also think uh, pre- a previous regime that shall not be named was a little too egotistical to change um, their tactics game by game and we saw what happened um i mean even i even made a note about he who shall not be named (laughs) uh and just the fact that uh in this houston game there were so many ground passes ground crosses through the box where last year everything was still looking like we were trying to play zlatan ball and just cross to a six foot five striker that we didn't have anymore yeah, and I think you know we're we're seeing this team kind of slowly become Vanny's team. I think you know I I, I wrote a couple notes about you know I, I thought you know in the broadcast in the Houston game you know Kobe Jones referred to it as teacup football in the sense that you know you go from one side to the other. It's like the rotating teacups at at the fair. But I'm going to disagree with him just a little bit there. I think what we're seeing in terms of the Galaxy's ball movement is incredibly good. Like it's just it's it's like one final pass that isn't there, and I think that's, you know, that, that's just experience and time. And I think, you know, you talk about, you mm-hmm. talked about it, you know, you've had to bet in so many players and think about it. I mean, you know, Grancier, Cabral, Jovelovic, Hamalainen, all have come in in the middle of the season in these very crunch times, and they've been asked to do a lot. And I think they're kind of doing it, but it's obviously they're not there yet just simply because they haven't had the reps. I think, you know, if this team had been fully completed by, you know, game one of the season, you know, had, had they had the full preseason, well, then maybe we're talking about something different here. Maybe we're talking about, oh, no, there's some concerns here. But I think, you know, you, you look at, you know, for example, Grand Sear in these two games, uh, Colorado and Houston, he looks so much more confident. He looks so much more, you know, like he, he feels it. And, and I, I understand that I am the, the, the flag bearer, the, the, the conductor of the Kevin Cabral hype train. 
<laughs> and I, I'm perfectly acceptable with it. Kevin Cabral changed both games, completely changed the shape of both games. And I think, you know, yeah, he doesn't score a ton of goals, and, and, and yeah, he's kind of unlucky. I think you know, uh, the chance everyone's going to point to is what happened in Colorado, right, where he's one-on-one with Yarbrough, probably should do better. I would also argue Yarbrough was a pretty good goalkeeper, um, and it was a weird angle, too, on that. Um, but, but I think, you know, everyone's starting to everyone's starting to gel, and, like, if, you know, if we weren't Galaxy fans, I think our conversations would be like, oh, my God, this team's going to be amazing in a year's time. But because we're Galaxy fans, it's like, ah, oh, we haven't won in five games, you know, you know, we, only a one-one draw, like that's ridiculous. You know, I think that the level of expectation is a little uh, too high. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I think Grandsir definitely looks more comfortable. He looks like he um, is one of the few guys who consistently has like a sense of urgency throughout the throughout the entire game. Um, he's got movement off the ball. He's drawing defenders. He's doing his job. He's getting he's getting open in space. Um, that ball, that ball in in Colorado to him. I mean, he took that in stride and just never missed a step. Put it right in. It was beautiful. Um, and then to Cabral's credit, I mean, he came off the bench uh, for Grenzier at the 68th minute. He was a little spark plug, you know. Um, I'd love to see him starting, but if if that's what works better for him in our system, I'm all for it. You know, if he's going to get in there and keep creating and. You know, he had some looks, um, and I know it's frustrating. People have seen over several games where he misses shots he should have had. But honestly, you look at tonight, or sorry, not tonight, Wednesday night, you look at that game against Houston, we easily should have had three or four goals in that game. And I tweeted it the other day. I mean, if our guys could finish even half the chances they create, there's no doubt we'd be top of the league right now. Yeah, and I think that... that, that... So it's not just Cabral. Like, nobody is finishing. Yeah, I, I, and I think that part of that is, is Chicharito being out, just being such a focal point, you know, that that, that makes it difficult. I, I also think, you know, not scoring goals it, it speaks to a team that maybe is either unsure or lacks a little bit of confidence. And I, I think, you know, that is very understandable considering, you know, the, the, the lines of communication, the lines of, you know, like, I know when he goes, I know to play this pass, just haven't had time to, to be meshed out. Um, I will say, you know, one other new addition that... Uh, well, obviously, the, the one new addition that everyone has been raving about it is Ryan Revolution. Um, but I, I also do want to give credit to Jovelic, who I think has been electric since he's gotten here. I mean, obviously, you know, the goal, uh, the goals in, in, in El Trafico, um, what a way to introduce yourself to the Galaxy fan base. <laughs> um, you know, but he's been, he's been a, a, consistently, a, a consistent pest, which I think is what you kind of want in a nine. Um, and I think, you know, it's going to be very fun to watch him and Chicharito kind of learn how to play with one another because I really think this could be a really effective strike pairing. Yeah, I mean, I really, really enjoyed the second half. I mean, obviously we still didn't get the result we wanted, but I really enjoyed the second half more so than the first. Um, you know, I don't think Efra was terrible, but he was still a little bit stagnant. Um, I don't know if it's like his mental game or what, because obviously Vanny sees something in him at practice but it's just not translating in, in his run of play, which is unfortunate because when we do see the brilliant moments, we're always like, oh, that's what Zlatan saw in him. That's what Chicharito's talking about. This kid can do it. He just needs to get the mental strength to be able to play consistently. Um, you know, he lacked a little urgency. He was a little slow coming to the ball a few times, and then you sub him off at, at, at half, and uh, Jolovic comes in, and just completely like 
night and day, different game, 100% different game, different speed, everything. So, so I, 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 to your point about Efrain and, and kind of how he fades in and out of matches, you know, I think, first off, I think everyone in the Galaxy looked a little lethargic on, on Wednesday night. So I'm, I'm not necessarily going to put a ton of stock into to one player looking lethargic. But what I will say is, I think Efrain Alvarez, his problem is that he's anachronistic player to the time period. And what I mean by that is, is he is, he's very much an old school number 10. And I am of the firm belief that I, I, I think teams can't carry luxury players anymore. It's just the way systems are mm-hmm. built. Everyone's required to do everything. And so Efrain doesn't really track back. He doesn't really press. It's, it's not in his game. And so I think, you know, he's a, he's, he's a bit of a, of a, a time gone by. You know, I think, if, you know, we're talking about maybe, you know, even the early aughts, but, you know, like, 1980s, 1990s, I mean, Efrain Alvarez would be playing for a top-level club right now because it's he's just that creative and that good, but the problem is those 10s faded in and out of games because they, they don't have, in those systems, other responsibilities. And I think what Vinny's biggest challenge here, and, and that's not a problem for a kid his age because you can teach it out of him, right? You can teach him. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's, what, 19 years old? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about, like, you know, a 27-year-old Efrain Alvarez, well, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, maybe there's a problem here. But at 19 years old, you know, you're easily teachable. And I, I think, you know, he's got Vasquez to learn from and Sasha to learn, learn from. And that's, you know, I think I see him in, in the vein of those type of players, uh, not necessarily uh, off the wing or anything like that. I, I see him more as like a, a younger Mexican Sasha Kledgeson. Um But, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I'm excited to see, like, he's finally getting a chance. And I think that's the, the one thing that, you know, has dogged Efrain Alvarez's career was that, you know, especially to Bruce, who never played kids, and, and, and GBS, who I think, you know, might have not been the best manager. I think we all learned that. Um, <laughs> I think he's, he's finally getting a chance. And, and, and that's something that I, I talk a lot about with Vanny is that, you know, under the previous regime, if Julian Araujo made a mistake, he's benched for 10 games. Mm. If Everett Alvarez makes a mistake, you know, under Vanny, it's like, okay, kid, you know, like, you made a mistake. Let's learn from it. Let's get out there. Let's do it again. I think that's a really, you know, changing mentality is a really difficult thing to do in a club. And I think Vanny's, you know, if Vanny is not up for coach of the year, it's it would be ridiculous for me because what he has done in such a short time is so incredible. I mean, he might be up for it, but if we're being honest, we all know who's winning it. Oh yeah, yeah be, I, I'm, okay, I'm okay with him not winning it. I just want him to be nominated. But we definitely know who's winning it. There's, it's not even a contest at this point. <laughs> no, hopefully they they get the trophy ready, or uh, hopefully they get the parade route ready in Boston. Uh, um, I mean, another thing about Vanny too, and I think uh, maybe one of the reasons why you know he does continue to give people the chances is because he himself is a manager who takes responsibility for the outcome of games. You know, he's he is never uh, shy of saying, you know what, I put us out in a bad formation, or I you know played the wrong player in this. He's he's the type of guy who puts the responsibility on his shoulders and then goes in and 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 has those coaching moments with the kids or even with the older ones. And, you know, looking at um, just the leadership in this locker room that we have this year, you know, it's, it's fun again and it's a family and you got guys like Victor and Sasha who have been around this league for a million years at this point. And they know their careers are coming to an end, but all they want to do is go out, have fun, play ball and do the best for everyone else that's around them and help everyone that's around them. And I think that's something that we've been lacking since God for like at least three years, you know, four years, maybe. Yeah. I think it's that, that accountability is, is, is the word that I've, I've really been emphasizing this season. And, and it has been, 
it's been impressive to see just that 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 you know kind of you, as you mentioned you know you watch the videos of them in the locker room and, and you know everyone just looks better you know like it, the the malaise is is kind of gone um the one kind of negative i do want to talk about out of these two games is a single player and I, and i hate dogging on player on single players but sometimes it happens and that's Koulibaly. i i I've, i think you know he's looked Koulibaly is interesting because Koulibaly is really good on the ball. Like he's a very good mover of the ball. He's a very good passer of the ball, but he's a little too aggressive. Um, and I don't want to say it's Siani 2.0, but I'm getting a little bit there. Um, you know, I thought you know in the game against Colorado, you know, I think he was you know he he's too slow to react, and Barrios just slips the line. Um, you know, there there was moments in the Houston game where you know he he'd get caught up field, and then all of a sudden you know the midfield shape is scrambling. I, I I'm I'm concerned with what we got there. Do you think part of that too is proper um, center back pairing? Well, yeah, I, I mean, so. we we obviously, you know, we obviously have seen um, over over the years that Steres is comfortable playing with just about anyone in that center back position. Um, Williams looks pretty comfortable playing with anyone, um, but maybe you know, maybe Koulibaly just hasn't meshed well yet with either of them I, I i don't know i really don't know I, I i'd like to see more going forward i don't want to write them off yet um but with you know it's one of those things where have we ever seen our true starting 11 from what vanny actually has in mind I, I think that's a very good point um yeah i agree i think you know i don't know if vanny even knows what his best center back pairing is and, and that's okay you know like it, it takes time for the and center back pairings are notoriously finicky you know they're notoriously difficult things i mean the, I, I mean, even at the U.S. men's national team level, I think you could argue that we don't know what our best center back pairing is, and, and neither do, does the coaching staff. Um, <laughs> I agree with you that I think you know we we haven't seen probably our best starting eleven as presently constituted. You know, and I, I think obviously we've if you think about the season, we've kind of been unlucky with injuries and and, and absences. Like you know, I think a lot of te- lesser teams in our position would have really called this season a wash, considering you know you lose your best goal scorer for ten games. You know, you you know. Your, your center back goes out for five games due to um, due, or due to a rash challenge. You know you have this, that, and the other thing happen. You know for the Galaxy to be where they are, you know fourth in the Western Conference, um, you know four points ahead of, of Portland. Um, it's it's nothing short of a sheer miracle, oddly. Um, you know I think that you know this obviously this this upcoming game t- on Saturday tomorrow at five o'clock uh, against Minnesota is a challenge because it's on the road. But it's also an opportunity because, you know, you can remember what happened when we beat Minnesota in Minnesota a couple weeks back. Like, look at how much better everything felt. You know, I think if they can replicate that result, then, you know, I think I'm, I'm starting to feel good about this team in a way that I, I haven't felt in a very long time. I think, too, a lot of times as fans, because we are, you know, we're five-time champions. Like, we expect uh, the best quality every single time they step out on the pitch. And we are in fourth place in the West, which is wonderful right like looking into this what we got like 10 games left looking into this stretch we definitely have the ability to stay in a playoff position this is a rebuilding year we are doing this while rebuilding a team and i think that we tend to forget that and we tend to be overcritical too early you know of guys that have never played mls they've never played in like a a tough concacaf style soccer i mean it's not it's not an easy league yeah, people I, are not playing soft on you at all. Yeah, I I agree um, that that you know it, the the context. It, I think Galaxy fans we get 
a little too obsessed with the nitty gritty of every game. And it's like, we need to look at this in the global context here. Like, well, galaxy Twitter is wild. Like, yeah. uh, it's just, a, I love it. It's my favorite place to be, but man, is it toxic sometimes? It's like that gift from, uh, what was it from community of like, uh, the, the, the guy bringing in the pizza and then the room's on fire and everything's going crazy. That's, that's galaxy Twitter. Uh, <laughs> you know of what I speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a rebuilding year, like, and we're, we're here and like, there are serious conversations about, well, we could maybe host a home playoff game, which would be the first home playoff game we've hosted since I believe 2016, if not 2017. I mean, for a, for a club of the galaxy stature, it's a really, really long time. Um, you know, I, I mean, their away form has been, been, you know, one of the better in the league, you know, they, you know, um, obviously this, this run coming up, you know, they, they have one home game coming up against LAFC, but most of this trip is going to be on the road. Um, so I, it's obviously, you know, and traveling in MLS isn't easy, um, as we know. Uh, but, you know, I, I think if, you know, winning against Minnesota, you know, you come home against LAFC, you can win that, you know, things are looking up. And I, I think, you know, for, for a five-game winless, first off, you know, a five-game winless streak is not the same as a five-game losing streak. We're still exactly. getting points, you know, like. We're not, you know, Houston Dynamo going 15, you know, without a win. You know, it's only five. It's the longest stretch of the season. Uh, you know, I, I, I think they can go in to the Minnesota. Hardest, yeah, it's the longest stretch of the season in the hardest point of the season. Yeah, I, I think they can go to Minnesota and get a result. You know, I, 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 having watched Minnesota kind of decently from afar, there's been some, some serious conversations about firing uh, Adrian Heath that, you know, the same problem that plagued them in 2019, that plagued them in 2020, they just don't score goals, um, which would – is, is a welcome relief for a Galaxy defense that has played teams that score goals for fun. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, Houston, basically, Todd Ramos hasn't really done anything tactically innovative. He's just said, I've got really fast guys. Let's just play balls over the top and, and turn this into the Olympic 100-meter uh, sprint. And they call you know, I totally, I totally forgot Todd Ramos was the coach of this team until I was re-watching the game. <laughs> I went back, actually, because I was like, he's got to have been fired by now. Like looking at their exactly. stats in the season, I was like, "How does this guy still have a job?" <laughs> um, and then, of course, Colorado and, and everything that Robert Frazier's done up there. I mean, they are a they're a an aggressive attack. So I think the Galaxy defense, if any, as we just talked about the center backs, I'm like, they're probably like, "Cool, we're going to get a day off, kind of, because what we're going to track Robin Lud. Um, that should be easy to do." Um, but yeah, I think you know this this game represents a really good opportunity for the Galaxy to get three points on the road and, and really stake their claim back as. Um, as, as, as a threat in the Western Conference. All I'm going to say is this. Matt Doyle went out on his weekly column a couple weeks back and said, it feels like the Galaxy are back. And then we went on that five-game winless, uh, winless <laughs> kid. So I'm blaming Matt Doyle for this one. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like that, uh, that announcer's curse, right? You, uh, never, yeah. you never talk about the no-hitter. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think... I, I'm, you know, I'm not hitting the panic button. And I think that's a really comforting place to be. Yeah, I mean, we're still very comfortably in fourth. You know, like you said, Portland is, uh, you know, four four points behind us. So they have to, you know, I get at least two games um, in order to catch up to us. Uh, Minnesota, we're looking at uh, just out of playoff position with 31 points. Again, you said, you know, they only have 24 goals for. Uh, we're sitting at 37 goals for, which... If you look at what last year was like, I mean, that just seems incredible, you know, and, and with Chicharito being back, um, scoring that goal, you know, definitely, definitely set something off in him. Um, but, 
But later in the second half, you could see his frustration. You could see that he was uh, a little frustrated with with, with the stagnant uh, uh, play of some of his teammates around him. You know, he's running around with a ball with no one to, to pass to. Um, and also getting beat up. I mean, the guy's socks were around his ankles. So you got you can't tell me he's not getting stomped on when they're not touching his knees anymore. Yeah, and, and I, I I agree with 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 both you and his frustration about about fluidity. And and I think, you know, when the Galaxy played their best games this year, the ball movement was so quick into the attacking third that you know teams just didn't have time to reset. And it, it does look like, I think I think maybe the book is out a little bit on Vanny in terms of how to stop this Galaxy team, which is just basically clog up the midfield and leave Chicharito on an island by himself. Now I think that's why they brought in Jovelovic to kind of help alleviate that issue. Um, but yeah, it's a question of you know being able to move the ball quickly in 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 order to stretch defenses and 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 set them off. Um, and I think you know they didn't do that exceptionally well against Houston. I thought they did that pretty well against against Colorado because Colorado gave them the space, but Houston didn't really give them any space to to move the ball. Um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, Minnesota on the weekend, uh, as we've we've kind of discussed, um, that game will kick off at five o'clock local time, I believe, on Spectrum. Um, I didn't see it on national, so. Um, Apparently, a team that doesn't score goals versus a team that's in a rebuilding year is apparently not an exciting national uh, uh, TV game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just pulled it up. It's on Spectrum, and if you're out of market, you can also get it on ESPN Plus. Or you can get a VPN and solves the problem. <laughs> well, that too, but you know, you're not advocating for illegal streaming. Please don't come for a legal team. <laughs> um, yeah, so an exciting opportunity this weekend in in Minnesota. Um, yeah, so um, that, I think, unless there's anything you want to hit. Um, yeah, I know this is looking ahead uh, an extra week here, but I just want to announce that I am officially going to Austin. You and everyone else, I feel like I'm the only person not going. Yeah, it just it all came about uh, yesterday, so I'm looking forward to it. It'll be my first away day of the entire season, so I'm really looking forward to that. So I can't wait to hang out with everyone out in Austin. That looks like a beautiful facility out there, too. Uh, you know, with all the cringe that Matthew McConaughey has brought to that club and, and their own fans don't help themselves, but it does look like a beautiful facility, so you'll have to you'll have to take pictures and maybe uh, you'll take over the Instagram or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll FaceTime you, too. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Jamie, for, for coming back into the fold and, and it, coming into our loving embrace. Um, Couple of news and notes. We will have another episode out on Tuesday. Hopefully, Michelle will be back, um, and hopefully, you know everything is everything is fine and golden. Um, also, the uh, pop up tomorrow. Elias, um, our house will have um, volume one and two of the magazine. Um, awesome! It's I I'm going to plug volume two because I'm in it and I wrote an article for it and I hope you enjoy it. Um, I got to interview uh, Sarah Neal, um, Sarah Bowers, who's an absolutely phenomenal. Uh, person and, and, and getting to tell her story was an absolute honor. Um, so I hope you really enjoy it. Um, they'll be available for um, sale. Little fun fact about that. Uh, at the, I was over hanging out in the ACB tailgate uh, the other day and someone came up to me and asked if I was Galaxy Mom. <laughs> and I was like, I am not, but I wish I was because she's fantastic. <laughs> and then I ran into her later that day. So it was really nice to see her. Yeah, so that'll be on sale uh, tomorrow. You can also get it uh, in e-copy. Um, you can pre-order for pickup at the October 3rd game, Valenda Donovan, a statue unveiling. Um, so please get on it. It was a lot of love and, and sweat and maybe one or two tears. Um, it's a beautiful article. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, thank you so much, Jamie. Um, welcome back. Hopefully uh, it won't be this long next time. Um, we love having you on, so. Uh, give me a call anytime. I'm I'm always available.
Alrighty. Well, also, if you are listening to this on your podcast app, uh, please give us five stars, like, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It helps us find new people um, and helps new people find us and fall in love with, with our wacky little brand of, of podcast that we have here. Um, What's well, me uh, for Jamie and myself, Christian. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. G's up.